It's time to light up a cigar and talk about business and cars. Are you ready to get the insider edge and pick up a few ideas that you can incorporate into your business today? Your host, Brandon Green, has 25 plus years in the automotive industry with 10 plus years owning his own business. Together with a diverse lineup of guests from all industries, he's asking the right questions to get you the answers you seek. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Business Card and Cigars. And I'm your host, Brandon Green. And we are here this week with a living industry icon in the car audio world, as far as I'm concerned, and well, pretty much everybody else. Um, we got Mr. Mark Eldridge in, in today. And so we're going to have a little fun, have a little chat. How you doing, Mark? Hey, Brandon, I'm doing great, man. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm uh, trying to stay warm here in Toronto, so... <laughs> <laughs> better you than me so um for some of my listeners that may not know who you are because uh i don't know why they wouldn't but anyway uh why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and kind of what you're doing now and how you got there and all that fun stuff okay well i've been in this industry i don't know since i was about 16 i guess is when i really started doing car audio i mean i was into music before that i'm 60 years old now so gives you some uh, idea how long i've been around but uh you know bought my first vehicle 74 chevy blazer and put in an underdash eight track pioneer piece with some dual cone six by nines and tweeters up on the dash and i was rocking you know i mean that's in 1978 that's what it was all about and from then on, it was just always upgrading the audio system to make it sound better. You know, for me, from day one, it has always been about making it sound as good as it can. You know, loud is great. I love loud, but it's got to sound good while it's doing it. You know, that's just my take on it. Right. So, you know, I started back then on my own vehicles, always doing my own installation work, always doing all that stuff. And, uh, you know, through college, had nice audio systems, got out of college, I was working at uh, General Dynamics in Fort Worth, and took up flying. And then I got into the Air Force, and I was flying C-130s out of Montgomery, Alabama. And I walked into the BX and found a copy of Car Audio Magazine in 1990. And it had a picture of an audio control 3050 RTA on the front. And I remember, I still have that magazine. Opened it up, and I learned about a whole world of cars and music and competition. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. You know, so that's that's where the competition started. I've been doing audio for a long time before that. But the competition stuff started in 1990, and I started building for that. And um, my first show was in 93. My first finals was in 94. And uh, my first first world championship was in 95 you know competed iaska forever uh usac slap mecca cmaa pretty much and even dv drag once you know wayne had a quasi sound quality show <laughs> uh, category that i competed in <laughs> and it, it was always fun to go to a show and take your car and show it off everybody enjoys it listens to it you listen to everybody else's cars and hang out and and you know some of my best friends in the world were developed in the competition lanes. So I competed for a long time, had a forerunner Toyota forerunner 87 model for a long time, then finally sold that. And I have a NASCAR. Um, at the time, it was a Winston Cup car that uh, was raced by Casey Atwood for Ray Evernham. 
and converted it over to be street legal with a full-blown audio system. And I competed with that until 2016. That was my last year competing. I, I, at that point, I figured I'd done everything I could do. I don't need any more trophies. Let's do other stuff. But <laughs> that's the competition side of it. And then there's the education side of it, which is still my passion now, where teaching people how to make audio systems sound the best they can. You know, and it's, uh, you know, I teach two day classes here. We go over the human hearing system. We go over the recordings. We listen to reference music. We talk about the laws of physics and reflections and absorption and everything to do with music. And then we look at the interior of the car and actually putting a system in and tuning it and dialing it in and all that. And um, right now, for me, that's the most rewarding thing I do is to have a group of, you know, 20 guys and gals here in the in the class and after two days they go wow i've learned so much thank you i can go make my car sound better you know and that's uh that's what it's all about but uh you know that's kind of a brief synopsis of the audio side i do rep work for uh, team sales in oklahoma and arkansas um i run sound at my church and i play drums when i can so you know i got a lot of different stuff going on (laughs) (laughs) you're a busy guy you know, I've got that ADHD side of me that I get bored doing one thing for too long. So I like to have multiple things I can jump between. Oh, yeah. I've uh, I, and I've attended your class, which honestly, I uh, need to send some guys down there and uh, do it again. Um, and going through COVID or anything, I know you uh, had to cancel some and do whatever, but you ramped that back up. You've done two or three already this year or working on them? Well, last starting... We did a class, two classes in 2021. Last year, I did four classes. This year, I'm probably going to host six. I mean, I've already done one in February. I got one in a couple weeks in April, um, 22nd, 23rd. And then I'll have a couple more throughout the year. Um, For a long time, I was doing classes for five, six, seven, eight people because it was really the enthusiasts wanting to learn more. But now... With the signal processors we have available and the fact that the OEM system sounds so good already, everyone has figured out, I need to know how to use these signal processors and these analyzers to make it better than the factory has. And that has opened the door where my classes have been, you know, 20 to 24 people every class. You know, it's it's awesome. And the, the interaction and the sharing of knowledge and just getting deep into system tuning and all the laws of physics and all that stuff. Um, Brandon, when you took the class, it's a whole different animal now. It's some of the same stuff, but it's, it's light years beyond what we covered, what, five, six, seven years ago when you came to the class. So it's a whole new yeah. thing, man. It, and it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I definitely want to get back there. Um, I was actually down in Tulsa uh, February when you were having the class, but I was there for the, the Starbird show. And right. I was like, well, <laughs> I don't want to go over and interrupt him when he's having a class, so I'll leave him alone. But uh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, it was an absolutely amazing class. I, I highly recommend if you're in the car audio industry and you haven't done this class, you need to get get that done. I would say if you're, if you're doing high-end audio systems, and they need to sound better than the factory system, yes, this class will help you. You know, if you're just doing bumping subwoofers and amplifiers, you know, keep doing it. But this class isn't going to help you there. Um, But uh, anyway, that's enough said there. 
So you do, um, obviously, you've been in uh, music forever and uh, play drums and all that uh, in church. And you even uh, have your drums and stuff set up, at least when I did the class there. Um, but you do uh, some other custom work as well with uh, Artisan Custom, another business you own. Yeah, yeah. If we want to talk about that, yeah. Um, Artisan Customs is a completely separate entity. It's, it's in the music industry. What it is, we make custom exotic wood pieces for musicians and music enthusiasts. And that entails, um, let's say, guitar hangers and guitar stands and drumstick holders and tables and wind instrument stands and little accessory pods and just pretty much anything a musician could use to hold their stuff. You know, and uh, we've been doing it for, well, since I guess uh, 2015, January 2015. You know, we'll do three or four different shows a year, drum shows and, and music shows and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, of course, we sell online as well. But that has, that is my retreat from car audio. <laughs> you know, when I get frustrated in car audio, I'll go pull out a hunk of wood and make something cool out of it, you know. And, um it's exotic wood jewelry for musicians. You know, it's not something they have to have, but it's a whole lot nicer than a black anodized piece of aluminum or a chrome piece of steel with a canvas bag on it. You know, it's, it's all about um, giving the musician some inspiration to play their music better, you know, and that's, that's kind of where we're coming from on that. So man, I appreciate the plug on that. That's cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. I seen a bunch of pieces when I was down there and I keep seeing what you're posting uh, every once in a while. And I, I think it's awesome. And you've really used kind of going a little bit different direction here. You've used some of that and um, got some uh, fairly well-known names. And um, obviously you go to concerts and meet people and stuff like that with, uh, with some of that and what you do. Um, what's been some of your favorites on that? You know, what we do with Arts and Customs is so unique that no one else, is crazy enough to try and do it. And we've been very fortunate to uh, have some really awesome musicians want to have some of our stuff. You know, Todd Suckerman, drummer for Sticks, and so many other recordings, amazing guy and great friend. And uh, he probably, well, I know he owns more artists and customs pieces than anyone but me. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Rich Redmond, <laughs> amazing drummer. I mean, just so many guys. And I, you know, I could name off, rattle off a bunch of them, but the thing is they enjoy it and it inspires them to play their music better. And hopefully other people see them using it as kind of an advertising. I mean, there's, there's no real endorsement deals. It's just people want to use our stuff and other people see them using our stuff and they want to buy our stuff. And, um, you know, it's right. not a huge business. I'm never going to make a living doing it the way I look at it. As long as I'm not losing money at it, and people enjoy what we do, I will continue to do it. You know, it, it's a hobby that I don't lose money at. We'll put it that way. You know, that's, that's what that is. So, yeah. <laughs> that's good. I need to figure out how to do some of that with uh, some of my hobbies. That's for sure. Yeah, it makes it a whole lot nicer. <laughs> In fact, I was drilling on some new pieces of wood this morning before we got on this conference call. So there you go. <laughs> I keep saying I'm going to jump on there and buy one of these one of these days. And uh, I just keep putting it off. I need to just do that. Yeah. Well, and we've got, you know, the, the thing about that is the page, I have to build a separate website page for every single piece because every piece is unique. So quite honestly, what you see on the website is only about half of what we have in stock. 
because I just don't have time to go on and build another 50 website pages, you know? So if you or anyone else out there has an idea for something, let me know. If we don't already have it, we can make it. We'll put it that way. So yeah, man, anytime you're in town, awesome. come on by and pick something out. I definitely will. We're uh, wife's family's down there so, or some of it. So uh, we're down there every once in a while. I'll be sure and hitch up next time I'm down there. Please do. So getting back to this audio, um, being a musician and uh, how has that kind of helped you with, with the car audio side? And I know you teach some of them in the class, but, you know, actually mm-hmm. listening to things and hearing how things are actually happening live as opposed to, you know, just a lot of people just have a reference of a recording and stuff like that. So you want to jump into that a little bit? Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you almost have to compartmentalize each side of it in and of itself. Okay. We'll start with the music and being a musician. And even if you're not a musician, you can learn what the instruments sound like. You know, it's, it's really not that difficult. Um, go to as much live music as you can. I don't care if it's a high school symphony performance, if it's a college band, if it's a jazz band in a little hall, if it's um, tool with a fully amplified concert, whatever, go listen to live music because that's what this is all about anyway. You know, it's about the enjoyment of the music and, you know, go with friends and listen. And, and in some cases you can even close your eyes and envision the music and then see all of the instruments up on the stage, especially the symphonic performance. Um, you can identify the cellos and the flutes and the, and the percussion instruments and the trumpets and everything else. You can close your eyes and you can hear where all that stuff is and it changes your perspective on what you're listening to. So yes, live music, go listen to live music and learn what the instruments sound like because the same drum set in one room is going to sound different than that same drum set in a concert scenario or a recording studio. So you have to know what the instruments sound like, but then you have to separate from that and listen to the recordings because how all of that sounds on a recording is up to the musicians and how they tune their instruments. It's up to the recording engineer and how they capture that sound. It involves the music studio or the venue or wherever they are, how that affects the sound. Then you have your own audio system and how you have it tuned and how you have it set up. And whether it's a home or a car, your audio system is going to affect that sound as well. So there are a lot of factors involved in listening to recorded music that are going to determine how it sounds on the tail end when you're listening to it. And that's what we really try to get into in the class is to understand, first off, the recordings themselves and how they were done. Were they done with a single pair of stereo microphones or was each instrument in its own little chamber recorded with a microphone and then they just mixed it all together in a monopan recording. I mean, you know, some technical terms here, but every recording is different and the recording is absolutely the most important aspect of determining how good a system can sound. If you have an outstanding recording and an outstanding audio system, it's going to sound amazing. You can have an outstanding recording and a really cruddy audio system 
and it's not going to sound great. But if you start with a crap recording, it doesn't matter how good the audio system is. It's never going to sound really good. Okay. So the recording is absolutely <laughs> the most important yep. aspect. And uh, then from there, you know, if we're talking car audio specifically, and even for home audio, the speakers are the most Im important part of the whole system and how they are installed. You know, if you're just going to put speakers back in the factory locations and not address the issues that are there, you're, again, limiting yourself as to how good the system can sound. That's why really, really high-end car audio systems take a lot of time and an investment to get the speakers installed where they're going to sound better than where the factory allowed them to put them. You know, it, it's funny. I was talking to some of the uh, engineers at Harman a number of years ago because they designed audio systems for uh, Mercedes and some of the Fords and some other stuff like that. And they said, right. you know, the factory brings us a car and they say, okay, you have this four square inch area here to put a speaker and that's all you get. You know, you, you don't get to choose where you put the speaker. So they are very limited on what they can do um, by the OEM. Now us in the aftermarket, we're not limited by that. We can modify things and move things. Now don't cut any structural metal and don't sacrifice safety, but we can do some things that they can't and we can make the car prepare it to sound that much better. Um, and uh, yeah, speakers and speaker placement, hands down, absolutely positively, the number one factor as far as equipment installation goes. Yeah, just a couple more things on that. Um, amplifiers, as long as you have good amplifiers, that's all you gotta worry about. Your signal processing, however, is another factor that's very, very important for making a car sound good. Um, you need the capability there to tune everything appropriately. I'm not going to get real deep into that. But again, uh, the signal processor, kind of like the recording, a signal processor, a capable signal processor in the hands of someone who really knows how to tune it and dial it in can make your system sound amazing. The very best signal processor in the world in the hands of somebody that doesn't know what they're doing is not going to help you at all. You know, so yeah. you've got to either you have the knowledge or know someone that does have the knowledge to really dial it in. And, um, you know, that's again, again, that's where the classes I teach get started is to get people rolling down that road so they can uh, make their system sound their best. All right. Enough there. <laughs> you want to tell everybody a little bit about the NASCAR and kind of what you've done? It's kind of a amazing car I, I know i've sat into it and listened to it but just uh seeing the builds and everything that you've done in there you're talking about speaker placement some of that you want to go through kind of what you did in there a little bit sure yeah it's a it was a nascar winston cup car um raced in 01 uh, like i said casey atwood drove it for ray everham and um of course that was the year that dale earnhardt was killed and so they ran the cars yep. another year and then they came out with a whole new version of of the cars because of that and so this is one they took off track and it was sponsored by sirius satellite radio and i was talking to todd goodnight at ces one year um at their a concert they were holding and he he kind of jokingly said man when are you going to get rid of that toyota forerunner and build something new and i knew i knew they had these cup cars and i said well as soon as you sell me one of your old cup cars and he's like okay hang on a minute and i was like yeah right so he went and talked to Roger Venewald, their uh, show car guy, 
and came back a few minutes later said, okay, where do you want it shipped? And I was like, seriously? He said, yeah, we're going to send you a cup car. Um, so one thing led to another. I ended up purchasing it from them instead of them just, I was originally going to build it for them. And then I thought, no, I need to just buy it. So I own it. So bought it, got it. It had been shredded. They had put some speakers and a head unit in there in some 24 gauge aluminum panels and said, Oh, we got a stereo and a cup car. And I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> um, so that, and that's where it started. And from there, the whole reason behind a cup car to begin with was that uh, Richard Clark and I were sitting at dinner with a bunch of people one time and somebody asked what would be the ultimate car to put a sound quality audio system in. And we both said a, a, a NASCAR cup car. And everybody asked why, and, and it's because there's nothing in there except the roll cage and the outside skin. That you can put the speakers anywhere you want to, you know. And so that's where it started. Yep. Um, so when I got the car and started looking at it, I had to rebuild the cage that they had cut out, and I set the seats up so they could actually move front to back, and they moved back quite a bit more than where they they would be normally in a cup car. The uh, yep. front stage, um, the suspension, everything on the car is still totally functional. We can get on the track and run at 160 miles an hour on a road course, and it does great. And then you get off the track, turn off the motor, and turn on the audio system, and it sounds amazing. So it does everything. It's not just a, a one-trick pony. The front stage are JL Audio 12W6s down in each kick panel. And everything is done with metal. It's all 6061 aluminum with some steel subframes. And it's, well, you know how solid it is. You, you can beat on the side of the car and it, it just is dead as a rock. Oh, yeah. Then on each side, there there's a pair of six and a half inch uh, JL Audio speakers above each subwoofer. And then a pair of tweeters above and to the outside of them. It, they're in arrays. Okay, I don't want to get too deep into that. But I have uh, two mids, two tweets on each side. Also in the center, I have a center channel with two mids, two tweets. So I've got 14 speakers up front. And each speaker is controlled independently and tuned so it can sound its very best. And then it does have some rear uh, rear speakers as well. Um, bunch amplifiers and, um, you know, whatever signal source you want to have, be it USB or CD or whatever. And... Uh, just thousands of hours of time designing and building and damping down the stupid body of the car because it was a rattle trap from hell when I got it. <laughs> um, and, uh, so lots of time with acoustical treatments, lots of time getting the speakers in the right place, tons of time just building the car solid, you know, because a cup car is designed to go fast and get damaged and then peel off the outside skin and put a new one on. I don't have that luxury. Um, so it all yeah. had to be built solid. <laughs> but it's it's not easy to get into, but, man, once you're in, sounds just amazing. Absolutely. Better now than it ever has. Absolutely better now than it ever has. And I'm not even competing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any plans to uh, get it out to shows again or anything anymore, even to exhibit or uh keeping it there and using it for the class? You know, I use it for the class. It, I mean, it's officially for sale, if you want to say that, because I would love for somebody else to take it out and compete with it again and show it off, because like I said, it sounds better now than it ever has. But I've done that. 
my passion now is to help other people make their cars sound good. And right. I just don't foresee taking the car to a show and competing again. You know, I'd love for somebody else to take it out and do it, but it's not going to be me. Um, you know, so yeah, anybody <laughs> needs a cup car, give me a call. <laughs> and don't even want to ask the price. Um, well, we're talking six figures to start. So, you know, it's a uh, low six figures, oh, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's definitely up there. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, and plus, honestly, right now, I've been working with IASCA to do training for their judges and they're using my reference systems here to educate their people. It would not be a good thing for me to go compete right now doing that consultation work. That that would look very, very bad and I'm not going to go there. So, you know. Yeah, that conflict of interest there a little bit. I, that makes sense. Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. But uh, man, like I said, it's always been about making make audio system sound their best. And whether it's a OEM replacement system or you rip the entire car apart, it needs to sound the best it can. You know, that's what it's all about. Yep. You got a, a year or three uh, doing that. You got any uh, fun stories uh, or anything that pops into mind uh, from your years doing all that? Oh my God! How much time do you have? <laughs> um, <laughs> I figured I figured you had one or two. Well, you know, it's it's there, there's so many things that happen throughout the years. Some of them comical, some of them stressful. You know, it, it just depends what it is. Okay, here's one just just popped to mind. 1997 in Perry, Georgia, at the um, the Southeastern Invitational Sound Challenge, the biggest show of the year. It's an Iaska show on Saturday, and then they take the top 25 cars to Sunday for an invitational round. And you, you can't buy your way in. You have to do well on Saturday to get to the Sunday round. Okay. Um, well, on Saturday, I was there with MTX Thunder Force, and Richard Clark was there with us and helping. And, and um, Richard and I were listening to the forerunner just to give it a last check before I drove into the, to the lanes to compete. And we're listening, and all of a sudden, the left channel gets quieter than the right channel. I mean, just instantly, boom, gets quieter than the right channel. And we're both sitting there going, what just happened? And me being the competitor, I was just like, oh, crap. I'm not going to go to Sunday. I'm not going to do well today. What's going on? Richard, having the foresight, he's not the competitor, an amazing engineer and analyst said, okay, explain what's in the system. And I said, okay, I've got an Alpine 7909 head unit. I'm taking the front and rear channels and bridging them through a Navoni piece to send an eight volt signal to the back because it reduces noise and gives you more signal output. And he, he had helped design that piece. And he said, that's your problem. I was like, what are you talking about? He said, one of the channels in that bridging network failed. You just need to unplug a channel from the right and it'll be it'll drop six dB, but you'll be back in tune. I was like, no. So I unplugged one of the right channels, so it wasn't bridge front rear anymore, and it went back to dead center. It was six dB quieter. I had one minute to get in the lanes at that point. Drove in the lanes, competed, of won course. my class, went to the next day, won the entire money round as well. You know, but it's it's little things like that where just boom okay, you have to analyze this and figure out what's going on. 
you know, for, for me, those are the ones I remember as much as anything. Yep. Um, you know, in uh, 95 at USEC finals, um, I had horns coming out the top of the dash, mid-base drivers down in the kicks, and I had some supplementary tweeters up high in the A-pillars. And I hadn't been judged yet, and I was competing in uh, the Pro 1001-up class with Chad Claudner and some other guys. And Chad and I were competitors to the nth degree, but we were also very good friends. Right. And I'm sitting right. there, and my left tweeter was dead. I pulled it out, and one of the wires had snapped off. And he walked up and said, what's going on? I said, man, I'm trying to fix this tweeter. I didn't have a soldering iron, so I was trying to wrap it around the terminal and tape it. And he said, hang on a minute. He went and got his soldering iron, brought it back to me, helped me solder it, helped me reinstall it so I could go in the lanes and compete. You know, For, for me, that's what competition is all about. It's, it's helping. You want to win because you do your best. You don't want to win because right. somebody else's problem. And he ended up yep. winning that day anyway. But he was willing to help me. So I did my best, you know, and that's for me, that's, that, that's what it had, has always been about. I will help the people in my lane just to make sure they do as well as they can. And that's again, that's, that's part of why I'm doing what I'm doing now. It's to help everyone do the best they can. You know, that's, that's what it's about. Um, trophy is a trophy, but yeah. having a great time is even better. Yes. I agree with that a hundred percent. You're doing uh, doing the classes. You're doing your uh, Otterson custom stuff. Uh, as you said, uh, a hobby that don't cost you money. <laughs> um, right. any, uh, any other plans? I know you got uh, kids that uh, up and growing, going to school, and all that stuff over the stuff. And what uh, what do you uh, well, what's plan you know, for the next, next I, year? Uh, three? Um, well, doing as many of these classes as I can because they're 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 really taking off. You know, I manage the technical department at my church, so I get to run sound almost every Sunday. And if I'm not running sound, playing drums generally. Um, so, yeah, I've got three daughters. One of them graduated a few years ago. She's a mechanical engineer with L3 down in Texas. Um, our second daughter is a nurse up in Chicago right now in a heart and lung transplant um, unit. And our third daughter is in engineering, mechanical engineering at OU, and she'll graduate in about two and a half years. I got nothing to complain about family-wise. Oh my goodness. Uh, just <laughs> the most fortunate person in the entire world as far as that goes. Um, you know, and uh, once Tara graduates, we will uh, move to Texas. We have a lot on Lake Belton down there. So we'll move down there. I'll still be doing what I'm doing, just uh, not in Tulsa region at that point. And um, the future for me is teaching classes, making the wood stuff, playing drums, and and uh, doing family stuff. We'll keep doing the car audio as long as as long as they'll keep me around, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, I don't think you're going anywhere for a long time. Yeah, it might be a while. So um, if people want to attend the classes or uh, look at your stuff for whatever, um, for the uh, audio yeah. side, uh, where, where would they find you? You know, if you find me on Facebook, I post everything there. You can find, you know, look for Mark Eldridge, and there's probably 50 of us on there. You just have to look for me. Um, you can also look for Mobile Soundstage Engineering on Facebook. I have a, a site there for that. And uh, I post every time I have a class, I'll post for several months prior the flyer and the contact information and that kind of thing. And uh, all that's on there. Um, the Artisan Custom stuff, I have a Facebook page for that, as well as a de dedicated website artisancustoms.com so if you want wood stuff you can check that there 
And those are probably the best places to get in touch. And you can message me, you can call, you can email, whatever. You know, if you've got a question, yeah, if you want to attend the classes, get on it quick. Because this one in April, I had a couple guys back out that are going to come to a later class. So I've actually got a couple seats open. But uh, um, these things have all been full up every class I've done for the past couple of years. But, yeah, come on out and learn something about audio, man. It's, It's fun. And the stories will fly because we have old people and uh, young, new people and everything else. And it's a uh, it's a good time. It's a good time. Yes, it is. Absolutely. I will. I will definitely be coming back for sure. Well, I don't want to take up a bunch of your time. I know you're a very, very busy man. And uh, I, I could sit here and listen to <laughs> listen to stories all day. But uh, I'll let you go yeah. this time and uh, hopefully uh, okay. be willing to come back and jump on and do this again. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And next time you're coming through Tulsa, give me a shout and maybe we can hook up. All right. Definitely will. Thank you again, Mark. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, Brandon. All right. Have a good Take care. See ya. Bye-bye. You too. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the Business Cars and Cigars podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. 